Hello and welcome to the Disabled But Enabled podcast. This podcast seeks to celebrate and encourage sickle cell warriors and also their loved ones who fight alongside them. Each week, we talk about the realities of living with sickle cell disease. We aim to bring hope and leave you with at least one reason to carry on on this journey called life. I am your host, Tutu Emmanuel. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of the podcast show. And today I've got a very special guest with me. Um, her name is Obi Davis. She is a mom. Amongst that, she does many other things. She's a woman of many hats. So I will just let her introduce herself. Obi, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, everyone. And hi, Tutu. It's a pleasure to be with you once again today. Thanks for having me. My name is Obiageli Olubumi Davis. And everyone knows me as Obi O. Davis for short. So I think I'm one of those very peculiar individuals who get to have both their first name and their last name shortened for convenience. <laughs> my name is Obi O. Davis. And like you rightly said, I'm a multidimensional woman. And I thank God for that. I'm a supply chain professional. I'm a career coach. I'm a business woman on the side. <laughs> that takes care of my entrepreneurship side. I also have an agency that helps women who are broken and hurting that helps them to rise up, find their purpose and grow and thrive and succeed. In addition to that as well, because I have a child who's got the sickle cell condition, it was, it was not an option not to do something about sickle cell. So I also um, carry out advocacy for for children with sickle cell and other invisible disabilities. Yeah. Wow. In addition to that, I, I still have other aspirations um, that, that I'm looking forward to achieving this year. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for having me today. Thank you for coming because you are one woman <laughs> with many hats. And for you to grace us with your presence, I am super, super grateful that you're here. Now, tell My pleasure. me, I introduced you as a mom first, even though I know you you have this many other hats that you're wearing. And one of the reasons why I did that was because you also said in your introduction that you've got a son who has sickle cell, but he's not your only son. You've also got another son. That's right. So you've got two sons, even though it's just one of them that is a sickle cell warrior. Mm -hmm. As a mom, you already have your hands full. So how do you cope? I want us to zone in on your life as a mom and a mom of a sickle cell warrior. How do you manage all these other things <laughs> and still be there for your warrior son? Well, Tutu, you see, the thing is, I, I think that one of the giftings that sickle cell brings with it is the option uh, not to be weak. Sickle cell brings with it the blessing of strength. And I think that's one of the greatest blessings that I have, you know, that has been bestowed upon me as a result of my son's condition. How do I do all those things? Like it's to me, it's like living a normal life, right? Being a sickle cell mom is, is such a responsibility and it is such a blessing as well. There is a learning curve to, to how you live your life and how you, you manage your day to day. How do I cope? I guess. <laughs> I cope, be, you know, because I'm 
over the years, so let me put it this way. I think over the years, I have developed that learning curve of knowing what to do, knowing what the signs are, um, educating my, my immediate family circle, my children, my other son, um, and the one that also has the condition, educating them both, um, having a support structure around me, creating boundaries, and um, just generally communication has, has been very key as well in helping me stay organized and being able to achieve the things I have to do. My children and I, we, we plan, we plan together. We, we, they know when mommy, mommy's time, what mommy's timing is like. Um, I must tell you to do, it's not very easy because it takes a lot of discipline. Um, but I am able to do all the things that I do now because my kids are a bit independent. They are preteens. I have a preteen and a young teenager. So it's easier now. So I have that luxury of time now because they are independent to a certain extent. I don't think that um, I would have been able to do this years ago. It's not even a case of I don't think to do. I, there's no way, even though I had all these expressions inside of me, there's no way I would have manifested my dimensions years ago when my kids were much younger because I had to be around all the time. Sickle cell demands that from you. As a parent, you have to be there literally all the time. If you're not going to be there, you need to have eyes everywhere. And that's where your support structure comes in. Everywhere your child is, you must have extended eyes there. You know, by extended eyes, I mean people. You must educate them. You must communicate with them. You must keep a tab on them. You, you have to keep track, literally. Yeah, like your child's GPS. You have to find out where is he going? Where is he? What's going on with him? How is he doing? You know, um, so I think for me, it's easy, it's easier now. And I'm so thankful to God that as my kids grow, I'm able to actually pursue my purpose and make sure that I express all the dimensions of, of the talents that I carry. But then it's, it's, I don't think that's everybody's story until your child gets to a certain age, it's difficult to juggle all the balls to be candid. So what I'm hearing is time and season. So there was a time yes. when you were not able to do this, but yes. now there's a season where you are now able to do it. So it's True. embracing the season you are in. Absolutely. And, but you know what? There's somebody out there probably listening and thinking, she gets, she has it all together. She's not in my shoes. I get <laughs> the elevation. I get the having the support network. I get the... Um, being your child GPS. I get all that. I've got all that in place. But she doesn't understand my mental torture. Mm. She doesn't understand what I feel like. She doesn't understand how my other children feel because I'm having to be there for this child. Because I'm assuming that um, your other son is probably more active than the first, the sickle cell. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, he is. My other son, he's, I'm one of those mothers that are, are tagged, do they call them soccer moms? Like I'm a stickler for athletics. Um, I used to be very athletic as a child, but as I grew, I lost it. And so I made up my mind that I was going to encourage my kids and make sure they don't lose it. So my older son, he plays soccer, volleyball, basketball. What else does he play? Badminton, does a little bit of gymnastics at the same time. And I encourage him 
right? Um, but to first let me laugh. <laughs> if anyone thinks I've got it all together, man, that is not true. Because sickle cell is a condition that you live with. This thing controls your, it takes center stage. I'm not gonna, let's not, uh, let's not uh, hover it up. Let's just say it as it is. For that person out there that says, oh, she doesn't know what I'm going through. Let me try and take a shot at describing how you feel. You're stressed on a daily basis. You're tired. You're emotionally worn out. In fact, drained is the word. You feel guilty. You feel regret. You feel pain. You're constantly heartbroken. You feel like you could take this thing that seems like a curse, in quotes, away from your child, but you cannot take it away. There's no certainty in your life. You can't travel. You can't go, you can't go to places the way people would just get up and go to places because of this child. If you travel today, what if he comes down with a crisis tomorrow? What if something happens to him the next? You are confused. That puts you in a state of confusion. You feel like your life is stalled. You're constantly in and out of work. And so people look at you and think you're incompetent, right? You, you live in fear on a daily basis. You're afraid that you might lose your job because today you're in hospital. Tomorrow you're in hospital. The day, two days after you're asking your boss for time of work. And it's hard. You probably don't have a second business and all you rely on is your pay. And so there's that constant fear. And let me talk about the financial torture. Hmm? Today you have like what saved up? Maybe you have like 500K saved up. Your son comes down with a crisis. By the time you go into the hospital and come out two days, the whole money is gone. You're back in the red. You're calling people and asking them for financial support. My dear, I know how you feel. Being there, done that, still living the game. Okay? I've been there. I've done that. I am still living the game. I don't have it all together, if that's what it means. Right? I'm describing how you feel so that you will know that you are not alone in this. My child is going to be 12. So I've done this for over a decade. It's not child's play. <laughs> no kidding. It's not child's play. But guess what? Your mindset is everything. You need to sit down and tell yourself the truth. Your reality is that this thing is part of your life. It's just a condition, like every other condition that exists in the world. It does take a toll, yes, but you need to sit down and say to yourself, am I going to allow sickle cell to now take over my life, my joy, my purpose, my happiness? No, you're going to sit down and learn to begin to find the blessings in sickle cell. I'm, I'm always very big about the blessings that sickle cell has brought into my life. And the reason why I'm big on it is because the moments that I sat down and I started to find that place of gratitude and I started thanking God for every day I have to spend with my child, that was the beginning for me of beginning to gain strength bit by bit over my mindset, over my fears, over the mental torture. We as parents with sickle cell children, we, 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 we go through a lot of mental health issues. It's our reality. 
And the worst part is 80% of the time, it's hard for us to talk about it. It's hard because we blame ourselves half the time for how we got here. That's the truth. And so that's that's guilt, that's stress, that pain, you know, it keeps tugging at you, but you have to take control of it. Because what you model is what your children follow. If you let it rule you and drain you, your children can literally feel that energy coming out of you. And so I started with gratitude. Lord, I thank you for every day I have to spend with this fantastic child you've given me. Lord, I thank you that I still have him. He's having pains, yes, but I thank you because I know we're going to come out of it. You know, I thank you because he's a gift to the world. And I thank you because you chose me to be the mother of the special gift. It's a privilege. Because I believe that my own journey with sickle cell is, is one of the few that was not um, pre-planned. Like I have no, me too, too, I have no business having a child with a sickle cell condition because I always knew my genotype. As a matter of fact, I walked away from a marriage that was about to happen because of my genotype. Well, here we are today. I have a child who's got sickle cell. God always has the last laugh. He knew what he was doing. He knew you were the best mom for that boy. So, exactly. So you see those of us with children who have this special condition, I think that God chose us. And I, and I say seeing it as a privilege because I know that there's a purpose behind it. And I know that God will not give us more than what we can bear. So I started thanking God for it. And I started thanking him, blessing him and thanking him for giving me this child and deeming me strong enough you know, to be the one who will be the privileged mother of this child. And that was the beginning of gradually changing my mental state as to how I saw sickle cell. It didn't take away the stresses. It didn't take away the pains. But it could not touch my joy anymore. It could not touch sickle cell. Like I laugh about it. Sickle cell cannot touch my joy anymore. Instead of it to drain me, it started to fuel my faith, especially in God. It started to make me see God in a different way entirely. Hmm. I began to realize that there is no way I can do this on my own. The reality of who God is to me and in my life, sickle cell helped me to strengthen it. So you're saying where somebody else out there is probably, and I say this loosely because I can't think of any other word to use, Cursing God. That's not just not just cursing God to you, but also cursing themselves. Yes. And saying, why, why, why would you give me a child like this? But why God didn't give you the child. You got the child. You made the child. Yeah, but no, I'm I mean, when I say God gave me a child like this, you know how it is. I, I know, I know up, what you're saying, Tutu. When we I mess up with God, when Adam messed up and God said, What happened? Says, yeah. Why are you gave me? Exactly. Because it's, it's always thing. easier. It's always easier to blame someone else and exactly. point fingers at someone else. Exactly. <laughs> it's easier to say, God, you know, it's easier for us to quote all this scripture about before I formed your mother's womb, I knew. So, God, why did you form a sickle cell child in my womb? In my womb. So, yes. So, yes, saying that, <laughs> rather than saying that, you are looking for gratitude. You are seeing gratitude in this, in this child. Your relationship Absolutely. with God is where it is because if not for this child it would have been different and and Tutu, i'll be honest with you this did not like i mean i didn't just 
wake up one day and oh my child has sickle cell and the next minute i'm like hallelujah god i'm grateful nah i went through the process as well you know it was a journey right so i went through that process of shock denial like confusion like anger <laughs> deep sorrow you know totally traumatized you know i went through that circle so were you at any point in time angry with god no i was never angry with god but rather i was mad at myself i was shocked at myself i was surprised at myself and i blamed myself a lot um even though it was not my fault but i did blame myself a lot cuz i kept asking myself you know what obi you knew this maybe you should have you know tested and retested and retested right you didn't do a a reconfirmation test and i blamed myself for that you know but i never crossed god because man god is not going to come down from heaven and do the things that we are supposed to do god gave us wisdom i should have applied wisdom and i should have applied a bit more uh discretion you know and maybe caution by checking a second time and then a third time with two different labs but i didn't do that we went to the one lab we ran the test said both of us were my spouse was aa i was as my first child came he was aa you know so and then my second child came he was otherwise a very healthy happy baby until he was 9 months old and then he had this fever that refused to abate for 6 days straight up he, his temperature was at 38 42 38 42 i tried everything it would come down and go back up and then they decided they were going to check and then the doctors came in and said hey madam like we're seeing something that looks like sicko <laughs> i'm like sicko what you guys please you need to run more diagnosis like maybe there's something more serious with my child but sicko what's like i don't get it and to to that was it you know but i i i never blamed god because i knew it was my responsibility as a person to have done xyz of course i did ask god why but i never blamed him i just said god why 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 is this happening to me after all the sacrifices i had made not to be here how come i still found myself here you know but and then i cried for weeks i think i cried like two weeks straight i cried every day and then i sat down and i had a meeting with myself and i said obi but you know what the scripture just came to mind god will not subject you to more than you can bear and that day i said god i'm going to ensure this boy's life and i saw the seed and i put is life insurance god this is a seed for the life insurance of this child that my strength will not fail and my son will not die and you will help me to raise him to be what you have created him to be and i sowed that seed and from that day i took a position of gratitude so if i went through my process the timing may differ from person to person so i'm not going to um belittle anybody's um, process you see but i would share mine so that in case they're still in their journey maybe they might pick one or two things that may help them gratitude it's hard to take that position especially when you're in pain but you see the only person who you constantly will have on your back by your side and inside of you is god 
if you start blaming him and you start fighting him and you're mad at him, simple question, where is your help going to come from? Where is your help going to come from? Where is your help going to come from? That's the question you should ask yourself. Because even the people around you, they would not, you think people would help you because you are good or because you are kind? It is the spirit of God that works in them to will and to do you good. So if you begin to antagonize God, where is your help going to come from? You can't fight a power that is bigger than you. It is in your best interest to align with your creator and say, God, okay, we found ourselves here. What do we do? How do we go forward? You have to help me because there's, there's, there's nowhere. Where else will help come from? It only comes from above. And so, so that, that, that's, that is the way I have been able to manage it. I don't have it together. Every, every single day, I have to tap back into my source for strength, for wisdom, for grace. So how yes. do you manage all brother? Because as far as it's concerned, everything was happy. Mommy was doing everything for me. Mommy could go to my soccer games. Mommy could come to my nursery play. Mommy could do this. Mommy could do that. Then this brother, this other baby turns around about up. As it is, you know, there's always that sibling rivalry of a new baby anyway. Yes. But now, not just <laughs> yes. a new baby has now come that I have to get used to that I'm sharing mommy with. It is one that is even over demanding. And it's mm -hmm. not just demanding as a baby. He hasn't outgrown that demand. So mm -hmm. which means that sometimes mommy doesn't come to my school play. Sometimes mommy mm -hmm. doesn't come to my football match. Sometimes mommy doesn't come to things that I feel is very important to me. It might not be important to the whole world, but it's very, very important to me. And not because mommy doesn't love me, but mommy can't come because she's got to be with my brother in the hospital. How has, because he's a child, so I can understand yes. as an adult, you grow up, you begin to trust God, you begin to love God. Your experience with over time in life teaches you that head or tail, God is the answer. God is the answer. <laughs> so for a child, how do you cope with that? Because does he come home being angry with his brother? Does he get angry with you? Does he get angry and does he even express? How do you manage that as well? Because I'm assuming it can't be easy. So, so that's a great, that, that's such a great question. And uh, I started early. Look, I'm so thankful to God for, for wisdom because immediately I came to terms with my son's issue, you know, when he was nine months old. His older brother was, say, what, barely two years old at the time. And immediately my son clocked three. I started teaching him that your brother is special. Your brother has special blood. The special blood that he has, you know, will make him to be not as strong as you are. You know, he would sometimes fall sick. He would sometimes cry a lot because he's feeling pain. And I'll say, you know what, I'm going to do something to you now. It's going to hurt, but I want you to understand. Then I pinch him a little bit. And then he will scream. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, love. But you see, your brother, this is what happens inside him. You know, sometimes he's feeling pinches inside his body and it hurts a lot. And so mommy has to help him and give him a bit more attention. Um, so for my older son, it was communication. 
And even my younger one that had the condition as well, immediately he was three. I started explaining to him what his condition is about, you know. Um, I was totally transparent with my child. Totally transparent. Parents should not feel like our children are too young to learn certain things. They're not too young. As a matter of fact, the more that you teach them about what's going on within the home, the easier it is for them to cope and to understand. You should not leave children to their imagination. You'll be doing them a total disservice. A child that does not know what his sibling is going through and sees you showering more care and attention, they're going to interpret it as neglect. They're going to interpret it as favoritism. It's going to kill their confidence and damage their, their psyche. And you don't want that. And these things are very subtle. So those of us who are parents um, with persons, uh, parents to persons with the sickle cell condition, we need to adopt communication and education early. That was what I did. I, I had to talk to my son and I and we still talk till now. You know what, Tutu? You know, the funny thing right now is my older son is just going to be 14 in another month. But right now he's like the caretaker, more or less. You will hear him saying, oh, mommy, he hasn't met his water quota for today. He's only had one bottle. He's, he's, he's become like a co-partner in caring for his brother. Because he has grown up understanding the signs, the implications, the needs, what to do, what not to do. So he's grown up being more or less my assistant caregiver. Because everything I'm doing with his brother, everything that has to do with his brother, he knows. He knows. And Tutu, my son knows that I am totally sold out and committed to the two of them. It takes a toll on me, right? But I don't give excuses. Any game he has, I will go. Anything he's doing, I will go. Any recital, I will be there. Any practice, I will take him there. It takes a toll because it's difficult. But I have to put in that extra work so that on the days that mommy is not there, he knows it's the exception. A few times he would even say, oh, mommy, maybe you shouldn't come. Or he would say, oh, he's not looking too well. Okay, I understand. Maybe I shouldn't even go. Sometimes he would give up going for his games if his brother is not feeling too good. And Tutu, I also have a fantastic support system. My support system is awesome. I have friends. I have family members. So when I have to be absent, there's always somebody there for him. My child doesn't feel that sense of neglect or favoritism towards his brother. And like, and I don't spare his brother too. The sickle cell, sickle cell is a condition. It's not a ticket for laziness. It's not a ticket for being irresponsible. It's not a ticket for you to take advantage of. Right. That was in my next question that in terms no. of that one, how does that work? Oh, then? Tutu, we have a child roster in my house. The work is equal. 
when it's time to scrub the bathroom, he will scrub the bathroom. When it's time to sweep, he will sweep the floor. Everybody has their chores, right? But then we manage it. On the days that he's not feeling up to it, we both know he's not feeling up to it, right? If he's tired, he's tired. He takes his rest, you know. When it's time for him to do his chores, sometimes his brother will say, okay, you're not feeling well. I'll do everything. When he's not feeling good, his brother takes over everything and he does it if he has to. Like I do the ones I have to do. Right. So so we're like core caretakers, like I said. He doesn't feel disenfranchised in any way because I balance it. Everybody is the same. You don't get any favors because you have the sickle cell condition. It's a condition now. So when you're not feeling well, we give you the space and the time you need. The minute you're up, you're, it's, you're a normal person now. There's nothing wrong with you. So why would you? Yeah. So, But I, I strongly believe that communication, early education, and just clear communication and teaching him everything about the condition, you know, from that early age has really is what has really helped me to manage that family circle uh, problem. And then I also encourage my son to talk. Because as, as, as um, family members to people with a sickle cell condition, it's not just the parents that suffer. The siblings too, they go through that pain. You know, they see their siblings in pain and they feel bad. My son has cried. My, <laughs> my older son, he's cried on, on a few occasions because he really wants to play soccer and his brother is not just feeling up to it. And he gets frustrated and sometimes he just breaks down and he cries. And he will come to me and I'll say, okay, let's talk about it. How are you feeling today? He's like, I'm not finding it funny. I really want to play. There's nobody to play with. And my brother will not play soccer with me. And I just apologize. And, you know, and I say to him, I'm sorry, but you understand what we're going through. He's not feeling up to it today. Can you skip? He's like, yes, I can skip mommy, but it's making me feel bad. And I said, I know. It makes me feel bad too. But we can't force him, right? When he's tired, we need to support him to rest. You know, so we have instances like that. We manage it with communication and you encourage them to speak out about how they feel because they also go through the pains. For me, that is really key because as a sickle cell warrior myself, you know, it's if there's one that is established, it's the fact that sickle cell is not, you know, it's a very evasive, it's a very evasive condition because it doesn't tell you when it's coming and right. it just comes, does what it wants to do. But the thing about it is that it doesn't just do what it needs to do to the patient. When that patient is going through it, the family members also suffer. And Absolutely. a lot of times we kind of either overlook or do not realize how much the family members suffer as well we sometimes not realize their reality as well <laughs> i was sharing with someone the other day that i remember growing up and we never did sleepovers in anybody's house hmm. and the main reason why we never did sleepover in anybody's house was because my mom said she could not take the risk of me going to do a sleepover somewhere else and mm -hmm. having a crisis in the middle of the night right because she says, if it happens in the house, we know what to do. We know how to manage it. No matter how much she's crying, we kind of understand why she's crying. We kind of understand the condition. 
And growing up in a place like Nigeria, you can't take a child to the hospital at 1 a.m. in the morning if you're not <laughs> because you're, you're, you have to balance it. Do I go out at 1 a.m. in the morning and face the risk of hitting armed robbers on the road? Or do I try and manage this child until the first sight of daylight and then we head out to the hospital? I, I can totally relate to what you're saying, Tutu. But <laughs> you see, the truth is, People gloss over, particularly parents, we gloss yeah. over our pain because you don't have time to sit down to think about your pain. Like sickle cell, I, I call it a disrespectful condition. Mr. Sickle Cell gives no notice. He's VV, he sees himself as a VVIP, shows up unannounced, you know, comes in unannounced, decides to occupy wherever he feels like occupying. He may feel like sitting in the head or in the ear or behind the throat or in the joints of the arms or in the legs or in the back. He chooses where he wants to stay and he decides how long he wants to be there for. Very disrespectful condition. But you see, the thing is, parents don't even have time. You, we, are, we, we are spending all our lives tending to this condition so much that we hardly have time to sit down and think about ourselves. How am I? How am I really feeling? How am I coping? You don't even have time. You keep, because you, you Tutu, do you know, my days are planned around my child. Sickle cell condition determines where I live. I can't live anywhere that is not, that does not have the biggest hospital within an eight minutes drive radius. I can't, I can't live there. It chooses where I reside. I plan my day around my child. I need to make sure that wherever I am, I can get out and get to him as quickly as possible if anything happens. But unfortunately, we don't have time to sit down and even think about our mental health half the time. Thank God for faith. We just thrive on faith. But our mental health, we hardly think about it. And that's why we need so much support, not just from family and friends, but also from the society at large. In the workplace, especially, particularly, I want to appeal to the society. Please, if you as much, if somebody who has a child with this condition as much as opens up to you and lets you know what they are going through and what their child is going through, I beg you, employers, take care of these people because they are going through a lot. They need your support. They're already worrying about the life of their child. Please don't let them worry about their means of livelihood. They need the support of the society at large, more than we can ever imagine. I, Tutu, I have been very fortunate. I've been lucky, you know, and God has really blessed me in that regard. And I want to appeal to parents as well who have children with a sickle cell condition. Stop stigmatizing yourself and stop stigmatizing your children. Stop hiding. Stop, stop, stop. Stop thinking that the world will keep blaming you for your child's condition. Take responsibility. It has happened whatever, whichever way, you know, you got here. The fact remains that you're already here. You already have this child. The child already has the condition. That is your reality and that's all that matters. How you got there does not matter anymore because this is a life we're talking about. I need you to stop hiding. I need you to stop hiding your child. I need you to stop hiding your child's condition. Don't shy away from the responsibility that this condition has bestowed upon you. Because as a parent with a child with a sickle cell condition, 
you have three times the responsibility every other person around you has. You cannot afford to get to work late. You cannot afford not to be diligent with your work. You cannot afford not to put in extra when it comes to your work. Because guess what? You know that you are banking all this for goodwill. So that when your hard days come, your bosses already know you as a top value adding asset to the organization. And so they will accommodate you alongside your issues because they know that you will more than the value you bring more than makes up for your time that you need to be away. I beg you be transparent with this, with this, with this condition. It is not a problem. It should not be a problem. You need to open up and let your employers know. Do not thrive in fear. If you're working for an organization or a person who does not appreciate that your child has this condition and you may be requiring support when these things happen, when crisis happens or when he has to be in hospital, then probably you should start looking out for a place where their culture has empathy and they are more humane. But if you hide it, you're going to appear as somebody who is incompetent. How many lies are you going to tell? If you lie today that you want to quickly go to the hospital, your child breaks down in another two days. You lie again. Put yourself in the shoes of your employer. If you were the employer, how would you see this person? How would you feel? Or if you come out and you're honest and you have integrity, and you let them know, I have a child. And that's what I do. I come clean. I put my cards on the table with all my employers. I let them know, I have a child who has a sickle cell condition. And to my utter surprise, half the time, they have no clue what sickle cell means. And they're like, what's that? I then have to explain, oh, it's, it's a condition of the blood, you know, that his blood cells break down. And sometimes, you know, because there's no flow of oxygen, you know, the blood forms a sickle shape, it gets clogged, there's no oxygen flow, it causes a lot of pain. It can happen in any organ of the body. It's very dangerous because when oxygen cuts off, there might be a lot of danger. And unfortunately, it doesn't come with symptoms. But what that means and the implication for you as my boss is that there might be days when I will have to be away from work unannounced and it might be a bit disruptive. But here is what I'm going to promise you. It will not affect my work. And Tutu, you see that commitment that I give? I leave that commitment to the best of my efforts. And so because of that, and I also feel like because God has blessed me with good people as my bosses, Anytime my child has a problem and I need to be in hospital, I don't shy away. I just send them a message. I'm sorry, he has a crisis. If it's a minor crisis and I can manage him at home, I do the bit I can, even from home while I'm managing him. If I have to get him to the hospital, I send them a message. I'm sorry, I have to take him to the hospital. If they put us on admission, immediately that putting us on admission, this means I probably won't be at work in the next three to five days. So, so the way I do my work, when I am not there, nothing drops because I structure myself in such a way that there is one, two or three people who knows I am such a team player when it comes to my job. 
because I know what I'm going through. And I know I, you have to structure your life in a way that you will have peace of mind as much as possible. I don't, want, I don't operate as a silo. So even when I need to be away, I'm saying to my boss, oh, it's looking like we might be away for a week or two. We might be here for a week or two. This is where I am with X, Y, Z. This is who can do X, Y, Z. Do you see? So that front is taken care of. So I just want to appeal to parents. Be honest, be transparent, and open up. And, and I really wish that Nigeria as a whole, too, that the lawmakers will probably put something maybe in the labor code that protects, you know, parents who have children with invisible disabilities in particular, protects their job. What you're saying is very, very true because I remember that, I mean, I never really worked in Nigeria. So my first, my only experience of employment was here in the UK. But again, coming from Nigeria with that stigmatization of sickle mm -hmm. cell, you can't, you know, you can't say this is it. And then sometimes you even try to say it. And then the whole effort of having to explain to people what it means sometimes, you're just thinking, you know what? I can't shout. I can't be bothered. So you don't say <laughs> anything. But, but that, there lies, there, therein lies the problem. Exactly. We, because we, don't, we, don't, we don't say anything. Yet inside us, we desire that. Uh -uh, shouldn't they understand? I think are people mind readers. Nobody can read your mind. If but you, you know, you have to do the talking. But you know the funny thing, and you know, and just to back up what you've said to all our listeners, when I started speaking up at work, when I started telling them that this is what it is, not every job understood. I'm not going to come out here and say that every True. job understood. True. Yeah, not, not every job will understand, which is why yeah. you have to choose wisely as well. Yeah. You know. Getting a job is not just about them employing you. It's also about you wanting to work for them. So you also need to do your homework. If they don't have a culture that has empathy, that takes care of their people, then be on the lookout for somewhere else. Because you know, it's going to add to your stress. It is definitely going to add to your stress. But you know, funny thing was when I started opening up, I started saying that, you know what, I'd rather wait for that job or I would mm -hmm. rather just resign. I can't do this or... And I started saying it up front. It's amazing that it wasn't easy. It was a process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was like trying to trust. And you know how easy you're looking for an income. You're thinking, should I tell them? Should I not? If, what if they don't take me? What if this? What if that? Mm -hmm. But as time has gone on, I have been finding that I've, God has been putting me in contact with bosses that have given me favor. Right. Right. So, so, I've, had, I've had one, you know, yeah. in all my, in, since, I, since I had my son, in all my working career, I, I had always had supportive bosses, you know, both in Nigeria and then when I moved to North America. And when I moved here, funny enough, the first nasty, nasty boss, as far as sickle cell is concerned, <laughs> not, any, not anything else, yeah. right? The first experience I had with a boss who just refused to understand what this was and why, why, um, the level of disruptiveness should be acceptable to, to them. It was actually in North America that I had that first experience. Oh. Yes. So, so it's not just limited to the African environment. Hmm. It's, the ment it's the mentality everywhere. So we're not going to take it for granted that everybody's going to understand. But the onus is on you to create an enabling environment for yourself because what you're already dealing with is enough stress. The last thing you want, you cannot be stressing about your means of livelihood when you're already stressing about the life 
of your child. I mean, that's enough mental, it's it's enough a weight to carry in itself. Okay. And I, and I, and I said to her, I said, look, you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't do this. Tutu, I left the job. I resigned. I resigned because I said to her, you know what? My, my family is my first priority. Did you have if a you job when you resigned? To sit there and not be able to take my child to the hospital. And then I come back and they're stressing me out. And my, it's not as if my results are they're not there. It's not like I'm delaying anything. You just want me sitting there 24-7 and you're complaining that having to go take time off to go to the clinic and come back. And just, so I go to the clinic. I don't even take the day off. I rush, take my child, take him to the clinic, bring him back. You know, I sit down if I'm home, I work, I do everything. And then you keep breathing down my throat. So one day, I resumed as early as 7.30 because I knew my child had a 10 o'clock appointment. Normally, resumption time was 8.30. I resumed one hour earlier, took my child to the clinic, dropped him off at school, sat down through my break, walked through my break, and then after the break, she came and was going on and on. And that was the day I said, you know what? It's enough. If you cannot accommodate me and my disruptive lifestyle because I have a child who has a condition, then I'm sorry, I can't work here anymore. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's a great company, great culture. But your culture is different. And I'm supposed to be reporting to you. So it's not going to work. And I resigned. I resigned because I just didn't want it to get into the drama of let's take ourselves to HR and you know all that. Yeah. I said to myself, no, let, let me end it. I am good. I know I will get a job. I'm that good. I know my onions. So I walked away. Did you have another And at that point, you didn't have any other job? I didn't have any other job. I walked away. I walked away. I said, worst case scenario, I'll work for myself until I can get another job. And that was exactly what I did. I worked for myself for like two and a half months. By the third month, I got another job. You know, it's not easy. I know. But you just have to choose. Because for me, my mental health is so precious to me. It's so precious. So sometimes it might be hard, but you're still better off letting them know the truth that you have a child that has a condition or that you have a condition. You can't tell everybody, but your immediate leader, your immediate line manager, at least has to know. You and know, once again, I solicit support. I solicit support, you know. I solicit support from the society at large, from employers, please, please. And we too, as parents, we will not take it for granted. It's not like a ticket to hide away and go do other things or, you know, because I know that that is also reality, right? People take advantage, to be honest. People could take advantage. But I just, I just plead that people should, should, should show more empathy and more support for their employers whose children are going through this. If you doubt them, call for evidence. Pick up the phone, call the hospital. If you if that was assuage your conscience for you to know that yes, they're being genuine. I mean, go that far if you must, but please just support your staff. Don't cut off their pay because they are away from work for a week or for three days. In 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 the space of three months, they've they've taken three days off. It's not it's not their choice. They don't have a choice. It's, they don't have a choice. They are not out partying. They are out somewhere crying out their eyes. They are in pains. So please show some understanding, I beg you. 
And you know, and this call is not just to employers, but even colleagues, because sometimes you could have a fantastic call, a employer, a boss that totally understand, but you can have a colleague that just thinks and they don't mm -hmm. know that you had a conversation with your boss. Mm -hmm. To tell your boss that, you know, this and this is what is happening. They now start to make snidey remarks that, ah, who knows? Maybe this and this is happening between <laughs> this person and the boss. That's why she's always off. Ask questions. But that's, but that's normal, Tutu. You see, people will not ask you. And we have to start changing the narrative and changing our behavioral patterns. Um, somebody said to me one day that, ah, Obi, the way you even talk about, oh, I have a son that has a condition. I have a son. <laughs> So everything that you be saying now, somehow people will be, don't you know, people will be, you know, that yeah. African thing, yeah. don't you know, people will be laughing at you behind your back. It's not a good thing. It's like you're advertising sickness. It's not even blah, blah, blah. Then she goes the godly way and says, you're confessing. So I said, and I looked at her, I said, come, sit down. Let me educate you. My son has sickle cell. It is a condition. It is there. He's, he's living with it every day. Sp that I'm speaking it. The thing is here. <laughs> this is our reality. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> Don't tell me that I'm speaking <laughs> into his life. And I said, look here. You see, shushing things, shushing and shushing. Oh, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. I'm like, why not? People need to know. You see, it is all this shushing, shushing, shushing that is helping us increase the number of sickle, the, 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 the occurrence of children with sickle cell. It's still on the increase it because is. we're not talking enough about it. And I'm like, it's, why should I be ashamed of my child because he has sickle cell? I will talk about it. I'm always, even my colleagues, everybody knows. My child has sickle cell condition. So you guys, you're going to have to support me because there will be days when I would need to just be, to, to, I, I would never forget one day. I was in a meeting doing a present, a tender presentation to my CEO and a tender committee. And as I sat down, the text message flashed on my phone. Madam, your son is in pains. Can you head to the school right now? I was sitting in a meeting with the CEO. So, so I picked my bag. I picked my phone. I'm really sorry. I just got a message from the school. My child is in pain. They're taking him to the hospital. He has the sickle cell condition. I'm sorry I need to leave right now. Can I be excused, please? So, so I left though, and I drove like crazy to get to the school. My senior manager took over that meeting. It was easy because he already knew. Because I always talk about it. Because people know that it's a part of my life. The more you talk about this thing, you are helping yourself. Please don't worry about what people have to say. People will laugh because they are ignorant. And it's okay. But you must look out for your own well-being and the welfare of your child. And you must look out for your mental health. And the best way to look out for your mental health, liberate yourself. By, is to liberate yourself by, by saying the truth and making sure everybody around you understands what you're going through. How would you even get support if you're not talking about this? So, so I keep talking about my support structure. My friends, my family members, 
The funny thing is that a lot of my colleagues are now more like family friends because of the sickle cell condition. They are always willing and ready to support. They are bad people, yes, but the good people are always more than the bad ones. And you must believe that inside your head and your mind. Do you know what you said is really key? Because my mom always said something. She said, if you close your eyes for the bad people to walk past, a good person will walk past and you will not see because your eyes Absolutely. are closed. Absolutely, Tutu. Absolutely. Whether you speak about it or you don't speak about it, he that will laugh will still laugh. He that will snigger will still snigger. So why would you let that bother you? Liberate yourself. Those are part of the things you need to do to help your mental health. You need to liberate yourself, unburden yourself by talking about it. Because hiding it is a way of stigmatizing your child. If you don't know, let me tell you, if you're a parent with a child with sickle cell and you're not talking about it and you are hiding it and you're covering up, it's not sustainable. And you are creating a stigma. Because that's what a stigma is. Something that it should be normalized, you know, and spoken about. You're treating it like a taboo, as if it's a sin, as if that child is a sin. You shouldn't do that. The truth about it is there's only so much you can hide it because you're actually about that. Mr. Sikusel is very, very mannerless. It is the he people will show that you. He will show now. <laughs> the people that you're hiding it from, you will just show up and say, hey, you've been hiding me from these people. Okay, today. <laughs> Let me show you that. You know, I'm here. cell will show. And Tutu, another thing I want to talk about, like you said something about your mom. Um, you know, you said something about your memories yeah. of not being able to go for sleepovers. How yes. did that make you feel? I mean, did, did you ever feel guilty that your siblings were denied the pleasure? Yeah. How did that make you feel? I did feel guilty because my brother, for instance, my brother is the social one. Even till now, you know, mm -hmm. we need to make him commissioner for enjoyment because my brother is more of the social one. Um, he's more of an extrovert and more of an introvert. Mm -hmm. So he was very happy to like, oh, let's go to this cousin's house. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, you know, my parents would say to us things like, oh, that's why you're more than one. So you guys can play with each other. What are they going to do? <laughs> and my brother was like, you don't understand. It's not the same. I'm, I'm tired mm. of staying in my, the four walls of my own house. I want to go to someone else's house. Why must they always come to our own house? Why they come, must they all come and sleep in my own room? Means I want to go to their house. I want to, you know, so he wanted to do that. But I, because of me, yes. my mom from an early age just knocked that up. I said, okay, it's not going to happen. I think by time she told him wasn't going to happen. You, for you, 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 you see, yes, your mom did that to protect you, and that's good. Every parent adopts. Every parent adopts what works for them. Yeah. But you see, I think that the best way to handle that is to balance it. No. So for what me, she did to for, yeah. to be fair on her, what mm. she then did was, you guys can't go. However, but they, they come. Yeah, I know. But you see, Tutu, how I, I balance it, mm. right? My child has sickle cell, mm. but I always tell him that sickle cell can never define him. Lie, lie. Like I tell him there is nothing you cannot do. If you desire to do something, you do it first. If your body then tells you 
that it cannot take it, then you refrain, right? But don't live in fear that there are things you cannot do because of your condition. I never put a limit on my child. My kids, children will come, they go for sleepovers. But when my child is going for a sleepover, of course, the children will not go to a sleepover with just anybody that you don't know. First, I would have been with that family. I would have seen the environment. I would know what the bedroom looks like, what the home looks like, who is there. My child goes with strict instructions. And my son's sickle cell condition is like the top of the range designer kind. If you know Flap. what I mean. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh my God. His own level of sickle cell is the platinum kind. I mean, we take all the precautions. We do everything, the diets, the nutrition. Oh my God. If you see the recipes that I make and how, how he eats his greens, his fruits, his water, his fluids, the rest, the, name it. We do it all. Well, guess what? It's just a platinum special child. His own level is out of this world. Even the doctors know. Everybody respects him. He's the king. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to crisis and sickle cell complications, ah, my son is king. All the top pediatricians in Lagos, they know him. He's very popular. <laughs> but you see, regardless, when he's going, he goes. For, for sleepovers. I was trying to cite an example. He goes for sleepovers, but with very strict instructions and with his kids. With his kids, everything is there. He's going with his medications. He's going with his hot water bottle. He's going with his aboniki. He's going with everything he needs for first aid. When I was in Nigeria, I used to carry two phones with three SIM cards. Three! So that any network will work. Any ah, <laughs> I I, <laughs> I I had to strategize and plan my life. I cannot be incommunicado. If MTN doesn't work, Glow must work. If Glow doesn't work, at least is it Zane or Etel? I don't know. Those change their name so many times. I don't know what they're called anymore. But I had to have two phones with three SIM cards. Every single network in Nigeria, I had to have a SIM card. Just in case, I always had data. Just in case, my email, my with strict instructions, my phone numbers and everything is there. So they know that once he says, I feel like I have a headache or I feel like my finger is pricking me or I feel like this, with a long list. So he goes, Tutu, I don't, my son does everything. No. But if his body now says no, then we stop. We know that, yes, it's dangerous, but I don't preempt anything as dangerous because of your condition, because it puts that limit on the child's psyche. The child grows up with, with this mentality of overanalyzing, should I, should I not, should I, should I not? Ah, if I do it, maybe I may fall sick, but who knows, right? But you I'll give you an example. I put my child in a swimming class. His brother was swimming. At the age of three, he wanted to join the swimming class. So I let him join the swimming class. Had his first lesson, second lesson. After the third lesson, he had a crisis. We went through the crisis, he recovered. 
guess what? I told him to go back. He went again because I wanted to see a trend. I wanted to be sure. That it wasn't just right. It wasn't exactly. Just exactly. And that's how I have trained him. You try it, but pay serious attention to your body. Know your triggers, know your signs. If you try the second time and you have pain, that's a trend. That means it's not good for you. So you stop and give yourself time. You can try again after one year. Okay. So we stopped at the age of five, two years after. We went back again because he really wanted to learn how to swim. My son has gone through swimming and stopped. He has gone through, I want to learn how to skate. You know, skating, you have to be on the rink, right? Ice. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. He goes, he goes skating. He goes skating. We warm him up. He puts on his own gear. If you see him, he's like, <laughs> everybody laughs at him. He carries the weight of everything he has to wear. He is fully insulated, but he has to enjoy that fun because the boy has to live his life. So I don't limit him at all whatsoever. And parents need to learn how to do that. You know, don't instigate that fear. Allow the children to still live. Allow them to still explore, but watch them closely and know when to step back. What you're saying refrain. is very, what you're saying is very, very true because my mom was the fearful one. You can't do this. You can't do that. Right. For some strange reason, I love to sit in the sun. I still love to sit in the sun till now. Mm -hmm. Rather than say, okay, you want to sit in the sun? Oh, yeah, where is your bottle of water? Make sure your water is beside you so that you're not getting... I just love have an food. Have an umbrella above you. Oh, you know, I, just, I think I just like love that. the feel of the sun on my skin kind of thing. Mm -hmm. so even now, if I'm sitting at home, I'll say, okay, where's the um, most sunny part where I can just... And I feel, I just think it keeps me warm. Mm -hmm. like, ah, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. My dad, on the other hand, you want to climb a tree, go. 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 You know, obviously mothers, you are the one that is there in the hospital. You are the one that is doing the late nights. You are the one that is doing... Mm -hmm. So for her, to think about that, I think it's not your fault. You're not the one that is doing all this late nights and yes not sleeping at night she's not waking you up is me so why are you encouraging her to go and keep doing all this thing so i got a bit of a balance so to speak in terms of but then i also had to quickly learn my trigger so where yes you were able to say to your son that try it one two three times watch out for the signs and everything like that i had someone that was saying go without caution and <laughs> Don't go. Don't go. So I had to decide the balance myself. It says yeah. that okay, I would go because I really, really want to go. But you know what? Then I need to kind of know when to stop as well. Exactly. Because I can't exactly. go back and tell this woman that I'm feeling this way because she's going to shout at me and say, I told you not to go. I told you not to do it, or you didn't tell me when you went to go. And do My it. son is already talking about bungee jumping. He wants to go bungee jumping. It's it's on his bucket list. And I've never gone bungee jumping too. So we're, we're already praying at, <laughs> about it and telling God. I'm like, you want to do it? Oh, I want to do it too. That would be a great adventure, right? Let's start praying about it. Maybe one day God will bless us enough. We'll be able to go try it out and then see how, how it goes. But that's, that's what it's done for him. He's not afraid to explore things. And you know, right now he's he's a bit more aware. I mean, he's a preteen now. He knows the triggers. He knows how to monitor his body. Another thing that um, God helped me to do is to give my son a voice. 
He's not afraid to, to talk about his condition because he understands it clearly, right? He, he has good education and good knowledge about what happens in his body, what sickle cell is about, how it affects him, um, and he knows his triggers. So initially, before now, I would have to like go to the teachers, give them instructions, clear instructions, his water bottle, he must do three bottles of water before he leaves school. Every day he has two water bottles. He, can, he has to keep it on his table. He has to refill one. I tell the teachers to support if they notice anything. And I will tell them, if, if my child goes quiet or he's tired, please. If he says he's tired, he's tired. Give him a break, you know. But because I had coached my child to always speak out, when he's tired, he will tell them in school, I'm tired. And my son does not stop at, excuse me, I am tired. Because I've trained him to tell them what he needs. Because they may not know. They may forget. Teachers are managing so many children. It's not my child that is the only child in that class. So you tell the teacher, I, I feel like I'm tired. I need to go and get some water. If you hydrate and you're still feeling uncomfortable, I am tired. I need to go sit down right now. Or... I am feeling like I'm beginning to feel some pains. Can I call my mother or can you call my mom immediately? I think, or I feel headache. Can I have a Tylenol? And, I, and in the school, I always keep a Tylenol in the class. I always keep a hot water bottle in the class. I keep a bottle of balm in the class. Like here, I had to get special approval from the hospital, from my family doctor to be able to keep those things in the classroom, right? I keep it because those are the things that would at least make him a bit comfortable until I can get there, you know. And I let you, oh, yes, so he speaks up. Yes. Because I remember when I was in primary school and what you're saying now just reminded me of uh, something that happened when I was in primary school. So we had P, which is physical education. Mm -hmm. I know in Nigeria, it was more in primary school, it was just the exercises and everything. You never had the practice, never had a theory side of notes and things like that. Right. And I remember this particular day, we were supposed to do these loads of laps around and around and around. And after a while, I was like lagging behind because I was getting tired. Tired. So the PE teacher then had to stop and kind of walk me, walk with me until, which meant that other kids were going in front. So I think he was a bit irritated, even though he didn't say anything show it so much. but it was like almost like i'm having to drag you along and all that kids are going in front i need to be <laughs> make sure that's the kind of thing <laughs> and the reason why i said i think it was a bit irritated because the following pe lesson it was like we had to continue that mm -hmm. and then i turned up for pe before i even said it just said oh no go and sit down go, and sit down. No, go to back to class kind of thing it was almost like very very dismissive of me which now made me and that, that, that is so embarrassing that would have embarrassed yeah. you totally it was very embarrassing. I felt really bad. I felt really sad. I felt like kind of like the one who couldn't make the match, the one. And you know how it is with sickle cell growing up back home in Nigeria. You already have people that already, you already have people that make fun of you. The Because, I mean, for me, sickle oh, cell, yeah. it harassed my legs. So from a young age, I had been working with a limp. So it was almost like, a, hey, you see, you want to feel more, you want to be. And that day, I felt really bad. And I kind of bottled up those tears because I just felt that, no, I'm not going to cry in front of you. In front of him. 
and make you feel that you have won. So I bottled up those tears for the whole day in school until my mom came to pick me up in the afternoon and I got into the car and I just busted into tears. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Shame on that teacher. Oh my goodness. Like just, no job. It's it's you see too and the, you see this this is the stigmatization that cuts so deep into children's psyche. Like I'm sure that teacher may not even remember what he did in that instant. No. But you see, no, the, like I said, it's, it, it's, it's so hurtful. Like I said, you to know? him, he felt as much as if he held his irritation that day because he had to basically hold my hands and basically jog with me till the end. And obviously all the other kids that were more fit were going right in front. So obviously probably was probably thinking in his head, I should be with those other kids because not because of this one child, but he didn't say anything. He didn't mention anything. He didn't ask how I was feeling. He didn't ask anything. We didn't have a conversation about it, nothing whatsoever. It was just the next time we had PE, he immediately I turned up with the rest of the class. He just said, oh, no, you're not going with us today to go back wow. and sit in class. Wow. So I had to go back and sit in class by myself. Wow. It went for PE. That that's that uh, no that that's that is totally unacceptable. It's that is totally unacceptable to too. You see, I feel so bad about and and this is why I keep saying we need to talk about this condition more. I feel so sad about how people just stigmatize persons with sickle cell and and the children especially laugh at them. You know, like my son had somebody saying to him, calling him Mr. Yellow Eyes at some point because he had this tinge of yellow in his eyes. You know, some would say you are so skinny, you eat so much, everything you eat will not show on your body. You know, nasty comments like that. These things are unacceptable. Teachers need to be intentional about how they talk to children with this condition. And if the teacher does not know, then it is the fault of the parents that the teacher has not been educated. The teacher and the principal must know that this child has this condition. There has to be a bit more education about how to speak with children who have invisible disabilities. When people have physical pain, people who go through accidents, you can see them bleeding. Immediately, everybody, you know, wants to help them and all that. But our own kids, unfortunately, their disability is invisible, but is equally as damaging and even more painful. So the last thing they need is somebody, you know, talking to them in a way that is demeaning and dismissive and making them feel little. It is totally unacceptable. And for, well, for me as a parent, right, my, my son's schools, they know me. I will talk to the head teacher. I will talk to the class teacher. If they have a substitute teacher or an assistant teacher, I, I will talk to the person and educate them about my child's needs and how he should be handled and managed. And I talk to my child every day to find out if anybody speaks to him in a certain way, I'm there the next morning demanding for an explanation. If I can't be there, I send an email. I demand for an explanation in writing because the mindset of our children too, too. You're sharing this experience now, but I can almost still hear the pain in your voice. It's like you're, you're relieving it. I can hear the pain of that experience. I can almost touch what that did to you. 
and how you've carried it over the years. It still hurts when you think about it. I can hear it in your voice. And so it's important that even in our educational system, the people who care for these children at every step of the way, every structure they go through, they must understand that there's a mental health part to this thing as well. In addition to the physical care, they need to be intentional about the things they say and how they handle the skills. Because that one experience can damage a child's self-confidence for life. Yep. Just that shared dismissive, you know, attitude can damage a child's self-confidence for life. Yes. And don't assume every child is lazy. Even if that's another thing. I mean, it's one thing that you don't know. And and this is going up to um, people in the educational structures who take care of these children. Even if you don't know, if you've not been informed, if you notice that any child for any reason is a bit slow or not as quick as the others in the class, engage the child and ask questions. Or better still, send a note to the parent and tell them you need to have a one-on-one and, you know, share the concern. Don't assume that the child is lazy, particularly in the Nigerian community. Look at your story, for example. Every other person had gone ahead of you. You were way behind. I can I can readily picture it. In some public schools, they will even push the child's head and say, move now, move. Can't you see all your mates are already in front? Yeah. You know, it's not every child that is lazy. So when you notice that a child is, for whatever reason, not as quick as the others, rather than just um, be dismissive or, or assume that this child is lazy and you want to force... You want to force um, traction or you want to you want to force that child into quicker action, which you will never get anyways. I beg you, ask the child, are you okay? Is everything okay with you today? Are you sure you if you ask a child, are you okay? They'll probably say yes. You dig further. Are you feeling all right? Does anywhere hurt? Because I noticed you're a bit, you know, slowed down. Do you need something? That's how to talk to children. So that you don't break them. That's that's just it. We need to be more intentional, and yeah. you know, we need to be more intentional as sickle cell warriors, as parent, as parents of sickle cell warriors, as carers of sickle cell warriors. We just need to be more intentional about things. Yeah. Wow! Thank you so much, Obi. This has been such. I'm like, go on and on and on. I mean, continue on and on and on. Oh, I can talk about this forever, Tutu. Trust me, it's it's a topic I'm very passionate about. I mean, it's my life, right? This is the life that I live, you know, and with a premium, uh, <laughs> a premium label. With a platinum one at that. Um, so this is the life that I that I live. I mean, I sit down here and I'm talking, but this is always my disposition. Right. My son has had all manner of complications from sickle you know, cell. I can I can start listing them one by one. Um, yeah, really and, and, <laughs> and people always tell me you're a strong woman, but I'm always quick to tell them I'm not strong. I'm just a woman of faith. And I've and I've learned my place um in God. And I've learned that I don't have any control over the situation. Um the best I can do is do the best I can. By making sure that his nutrition is top-notch, he takes his medications, he does his routine checkups, we follow all the rules. That's the best I can do, right? The rest of it, I really have no control over. 
and we've been through seasons. Oh my God, both in Nigeria and here, we, we've been through seasons too. We're still going through the seasons. But the only thing I know for sure, for certain, is that we would always come out of it, right? And my child too has learned that. And look, the pain is going to come, but it's not going to last forever, you know. Um, and so if you're sitting on the other side and you're hearing my voice and you're thinking, eh, maybe she hasn't seen the wait, it's because you've not, I've seen it too. <laughs> I have, name it, you know, name that complication. When I say that my son is like a platinum, <laughs> platinum, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. But I just want to encourage you, do the best you can. Taking care of a child with the sickle cell condition is hard work. And you have to keep praying for the strength to carry on every day to do it. It's a lot of hard work and you can't do it by yourself. Find the support you need. You have to find the support you need. Sometimes your immediate family circle is not even enough. You need friends. You need a village around you, really. Your village may be two extra people. It may be people, like I said, Tutu, that even some of my colleagues in the workplace, they've become more like family members because of this condition. Don't be afraid to ask for help because if you break, nobody will take care of your child the way you can do it. So it's very important that you, you begin to be intentional too about the kind of relationships that you build um, that can support you in caring for this child. You will always need people. Trust me. You will always need people. And some of those strategies I will tell you. Join a church around the area that you live. Make sure you are, you, you, are, you are a worker or something. Make sure you also contribute to the society somehow. You must have one or two people that live in your environment. Be a good neighbor. Be a good neighbor because the day is sometimes it will happen where you need to move, like in the middle of the night, odd hours of the day. You would need your neighbor. Somebody has to drive you or somebody has to take your other child and take care of him. So, so I can't tell you how many times I've called up people, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., can you come and take my son? I need to take this little one to the hospital. Build relationships because you would need it. Ask for help. You will need it. You will need it. Stop hiding your child. Sickle cell is not a curse. Children did not ask for it. We brought them to this world right? Embrace your circumstance, embrace your situation, support this child the best way you can. It's your life. You have to work it. It is hard work, but yes, you are built to be able to do it. So give it your best shot. And inside of it, find your time to rest too. You know, manage yourself. You, like if you're a parent with a child that has sickle cell, you have to learn how to be the CEO of your life. You will plan, you have strategies, you will have budgets. As you're budgeting for yourself, you're also budgeting for in case anything happens. You know, you have to be the CEO of your life. You have to work extra hard, you know. Or please don't stop talking. Don't stop asking for help. Above all, don't stop praying. We are privileged to have these children. And God gave them to us because God knows. He caused God knows for sure that we're able and we're capable to partner with Him to get these children to where He wants them to get to. So please rise up, 
and have faith. Rise up and have faith and open your mouth when you need to. You need help, speak out. Reach out to people who can help you. Thank God for the social media age. There are groups on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. You would find sickle cell support groups. They are everywhere. Ask for help when you need it. Thank you. I mean, there's nothing for me to add to that. You've heard that everybody ask for help. You are, you know, the society is there to help. Stop the stigmatization. You're here. We're already here. You know, whether it's your fault, it's not your fault, is this, is that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter it doesn't anymore. Matter. We're already here. What matters is way forward. What next? <laughs> what matters now is the way forward. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Obi. Thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate your time. It's Thanks for coming. Thank you. And for those with a condition, please do not. There is no limit. Don't, don't. The only limit is the one you put on yourself. Don't let anybody's fears rub off on you. You know, even if you grew up, you know, having these fears as your as your badge of honor. You know, as you grow, choose your path and do not limit yourself. But you have to know yourself, know your triggers, know your body and respect your body. Know what you can do and what you cannot do. But you can only know what you cannot do after you have done it. So I'd like to encourage you. Don't ever say there is anything in life that you cannot try or that you cannot do. So long as it has not, that thing has not of course, within within sensible limits, right? I'm not saying go and jump out of a plane without a parachute, okay? Just, just making it clear. But explore your options. Do not limit yourself. There is nothing you cannot do. Nothing. So long as your body will let you, okay? Within what you can accommodate, make yourself a superstar. Do not put any limits on yourself. Find that which you can do, stick with it, be an expert at it, and just go for it. Go for it. It's just a condition. Sickle cell is just a condition. And it does not matter whether people out there understand it or not. You be a rock star, live your life, show them how life can be done, as a matter of fact. Show them how life can be done. Okay? Shine bright and no limits. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Disabled But Enabled podcast. Please check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at Disabled But Enabled and on our website, disabledbutenabled.org. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review. Feel free to tell us anything you would like to hear us talk about so we can continue to bring you fresh content. Once again, this is yours truly, Tutu Emmanuel, saying switch on the power within and see you next week.